0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, it's Fowler here once again to tell you about Manscaped, but it's different this time! No, I'm not talking about freshly shaven balls. I'm talking about their new Weed Whacker. That's right. Manscaped have just released the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer in the UK. Take a look in the mirror and I guarantee you'll see those hairs sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean shaven pubes. Now, I don't, well, as far as I'm aware, I don't have a problem with ear hair. I don't necessarily have a problem with nose hair either, but I do get them. Uh, they're more kind of a discomfort than anything else. So I, I hate when, especially since I suffer from hay fever and can get like a bit of an irritating nose. Sometimes I hate the fact that when I have some some nose hairs just hanging around, and I do, I don't like to go up there with scissors. So I do just tend to try and pull them out. It is, uh it's painful. It always makes me sneeze, it makes my eyes water, it's not a good look, and I I, I certainly would benefit from this product. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides propriety skin-safe technology, which means it helps prevent nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate little areas. It is the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. Yes, you can get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, everyone, 79% of partners polled have admitted that long nose hair is, is a major turnoff. And I think you can only agree with that, surely. I mean, nobody, nobody likes to look at it. It's, it's very off-putting. It's, it's, it's not pleasant at all. Just get, get those whacked. And in order to help you do that, we're offering 20% off with free shipping when you use the code Terrace at manscaped.com. So once again, let's get 20% off and free shipping with the code terrace at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code terrace. What are you waiting for? Get those weeds whacked.
1: and welcome to Monday's Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I'm Graham Thillis, and uh, everything is the same as it was last week. Um, and today I'm joined by Craig Anderson. Hello, Craig. Hi, Graham. How are you doing? A oh, uh, very good. bleak opening to the podcast. I know. Sorry but I'm trying to really. So I, I, I should really have thought of something much more fun to go with. Um, but we've got some fun in the, in the content in any case and we're also joined by Tom Watt. Hi, Tom. I thought you were going to say we've got some fun in the shape of Tom Watt, which is entirely untrue. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm here. And what was also here and he's bringing the fun um, we have a Betfred Cup weekend um, so we're going to blast through these games uh, apologies to some to the fans of some of the games here because um, try as I might I couldn't actually find highlights for some of them so I've stolen some comments from people in Pi and Bovril and taken my own views on some of the things as well there as well And I'm sure the guys have done the same as me um, we will start um, I was about to say we'll start alphabetically with Aloha and then I realised is Aloha al- actually alphabetically correct but it is pretty sure it is who uh, defeated Hearts one nothing at the end of the with a penalty from Alan Troughton at 109 minutes sending them through to the quarterfinals of the Betfred Cup which is in no way really fucking funny and um, so <laughs> yeah that's I'll, bringing the fun yeah I mean let's start let's start with
2: positive. <laughs> it's We've obviously learned that Aloha must have the fifth best squad in the
1: country. Yes, yes. For a bit of context, <laughs> Craig Fowler, um, before the season, or before the before the championship season started, to be clear, uh, which started much later because they're in the championship, uh, claimed that um, Harford Lodi had the fifth best squad in the country. Which, I mean, all right. I mean, you've made your bed. Now you're going to lie in it for the rest. I'm, of curious, the season. I'm
2: sure he said on the podcast as well. Um, so it's easy. Yeah, I mean, the
3: the the thing is. And this is almost what's most damning about Hearts losing games to teams like Alloa. No disrespect to Alloa whatsoever, because they did have all like Hearts had all the ball for eighty minutes without doing very much at all. The thing is, if you went through the start of eleven, that there aren't that many teams in Scotland who have got a better fullback pairing than Hearts have got. There aren't many that have got a goalkeeper as good as they've got. Boyce would get into most teams. Herring would get into most teams. So there must be something in the air. It's almost even worse that if you go through individually, there are a lot of very good players who should do something with seventy percent possession and tapping the ball round about the eighteen-yard box for eighty minutes against the side that are struggling in the in the championship. Um, but they didn't, and that's what's that's what's so bizarre about it is that there there are a lot of very good players in there, and there are a lot of players that have played recently at a very good level but they just seem to go to hearts to die.
1: it's it's a a very fair criticism in that why are Hearts going to Alloa in a cup in a knockout game and playing essentially kind of three sitting midfielders like why like this is and this was this was a criticism which was levelled an awful lot at Robbie Nielsen last year at Dundee United as well and that Dundee United were comfortably the best team in last season's championship but were still he was reticent to go and just win games like with with the players that they have, it's, it's we'll come on to Celtic later on, and the idea that you can't just put out eleven better players and win. With the championship and with the Hearts against Alva, you can't just like surely you can't just put out eleven best the eleven better players and just win because they are better players in every in every department on every area of the pitch, and they should win. But they battered them in midweek. I think it
2: was three now going on kind of. Five, six, seven, 6 7 the, the kind of luxury of missing a penalty and whatever else missing the same penalty twice in fact uh, <laughs> but the the thing that I, that I took from that is it was like just very very circular, it was like we'll get to the edge of the box and then we'll play another pass back inside and there's just a, there's a real lack of like, as you said the kind of passive three midfielders, you've got someone like Ollie Lee who's there who, who just He's just not good enough Like Apart from having a very good set piece delivery that, That's pretty much why he's in the team And then you've got I think forward players who are all Collectively misfiring and Boyce obviously started the games Not necessarily having the best time of it And a. Smith who, who came on um, Kind of going through the motions A bit it seems like sometimes And that to me is the problem It's like the, Defensively right okay they conceded a penalty But they're generally fine um, it, Like relatively But just making things happen Creating chances It's just not It's just not. They're not doing it They've got nothing out wide Jamie Walker continues to Flatter to deceive I think probably one of the most Overrated players of the last Kind of decade in Scotland Because I think The only good season I recall him having Was when they were in the championship The last time around And just Yeah he's just He won't you know, he's tactically very naive as well. He doesn't do what he's told in a team ever. He, he just, wherever you tell him to play, he's playing as a number 10. Um, and there's just stuff like that. It just it just becomes a, an issue. And, and obviously Nielsen will basically probably be glad to never see in the drill stadium in his life, like being haunted by that KFC, because um, I think Dundee United just constantly got battered there as well. When he when yeah, went there was, there,
1: was that there was the time they got beat there, and a boy, an ally fan, had turned up my cool box as well.
3: <laughs> I think, though, that the other thing that, that's a, that sort of felt quite indicative of. of the, the problems are that even the, the Aloha penalty itself, and like it, it's entirely possible that in a cup game you you, you have all the possession, you batter a team, and they get a penalty, whatever. But it wasn't, it was like Hearts had all of the possession, all the chances they were piling board, but refused to commit one more body forward that might have actually caused a problem until the last 10 minutes when Aloha came into it and looked. Certainly from the from the highlights and Aloha I've I've got a fairly extended extensive highlights package. From the from the last ten minutes of the of normal time and in extra time, they had an awful lot of the ball. But the, the there's something quite telling in the way that the hearts conceded the penalty. It was from a hearts corner. Like hearts have a corner and it's not like it's played with great skill out of the box it 's a massive lump up the pitch, and they have three opportunities to play it to bodies to just start another attack but it 's like carelessly lost and then it 's lumped into the box and the uh, and Michael Smith gives away a penalty it, it 's like the there 's all the players are there the 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 manager 's there who knows what to do but there 's just some there's the, the cohesion isn't is so far away like so far away from cl- from clicking. Um, so they'll beat teams because individually they've got better players, but the cohesion in that squad doesn't seem there at all.
1: I, think, I, sorry, no, I was just going
2: to say, on, on Alwa, like when they did have the ball, they looked like they were playing some some pretty nice kind of football. It looked all very, the, the patterns were all there. It was almost like it was very rehearsed. And when we're attacking, this is what we do. And that, that it wasn't ultimately the difference between the teams because um, the, the the goal came, as they say, from a kind of a breakdown and playing a scrappy um, ball across the box. And I don't actually think, it, first view, it probably wasn't a penalty. But had Hearts kind of had the same kind of organisation and attack and, and kind of clarity of thought and what to do as Aloha seemed to show, I think they would have won the game. But yeah, it, it just seems a bit bit disjointed and, and they're going they're going to win the championship they've, they've got a fairly good chance of winning the Scottish Cup I think like when we'll talk about Celtic later so it's not some sort of crisis at heart but it's just like they, they shouldn't be losing to Alex. it's the first time they've ever lost to Aloha, Um which which says a lot I think
1: yeah it's it just feels everything just feels a bit sort of sluggish at times as well and it, I see Watching Hearts on telly a couple of times as well, the Dundee game aside, it just feels a bit sort of humming and hawing. Like it's 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 fine, but you kind of experience. the last time Hearts won the championship, they went out in the first day, I think I'm right in saying, and beat Rangers at Ibrox, and beating Dundee felt like a similar sort of statement, but it's not really continued on from that point as well, and particularly after all the sort of nonsense between Alois Twitter and. The hearts fans earlier in the week as well i met andy i was fortunate enough to meet andy graham a few years ago and he talked to him about the, them staying up and he was like look every single week somebody said oh they'll they'll tail off um they they we don't deserve to be down here this we're a bigger team whatever else and He was like every single week somebody said it and every single week we talked about it and went well we're gonna fucking stay up we'll, we'll, we'll show everybody and i couldn't help thinking like when all that nonsense was going on on, on twitter i was like Hearts, or the Aloha players have definitely seen this, and the Aloha players are definitely going to be hacked off about this, and the Aloha players are definitely going to use this because that seems very much a part of that mentality. Well it was good when at the time, and now it's Peter Grant who is um he's doing things a little bit differently. That sort of mentality of, you know, fuck them. Um seems to still very much be a part of Aloha there as well. And it's just, just at the time, like you don't this isn't a fight you want to get in with, guys. Just don't annoy Aloha, just leave them be and then turn up on the day just don't say anything don't do anything because all you're going to do is fuck people off cool uh, we will move along the alphabet this is getting really bad because I'm going to forget what the alphabet is and, and it's, a it's bit, quite
2: isn't. a nice challenge it's like it's like a bit of like peril involved here it's uh yeah. will, will Graham get, get 8 out of 8 here you, you've started with 1 out of 1 so we'll, yep. we'll, we'll see
1: how we we, so we'll move to Arbroath um, and head along to Gayfield which again there's sort of limited it's one of the games that seems sort of fairly limited things to find out about um, but it did feel very much like every other Dunfermline game this season to me and uh, there was a nice strike from Ryan Dow and uh, a Ewan Murray goal and then Kevin O'Hara came off the bench to score a penalty. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah, a, a great result for Scotland's second team, I think. The, the, the only other, one of only two teams in the top two divisions that can be entirely happy with the way that they've started the season, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, like you say, there's not a huge amount in this, but Dunfermline seem very professional, very well drilled, very fit. But there is a hell of a lot of running in that team. And quite, a, like the, there's an awful lot of teams that look like they might have, it is early days, but there's an awful lot of teams that look like they might be good in fits and starts because that's the nature of the championship. And um, But they look like they've got a, a good bunch of players that are all around about the same age and they're getting an awful lot out of guys that um, are, are either kind of on their way up or have, have found their level. I think and seven and ten now for Ewan Murray, I think he got 13 in his previous eight, seven or eight years. So, like, a, 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 an absolute goal machine, but they're getting an awful lot of like. I mean, Declan McManus covers so much ground. They've got Ryan Dow covering ground and running and tracking back, which is quite something. Don Thomas has been a standout. Cal Turner again like, in the midfield was great. And normally, one of the things you've got to do one of the, the one of the hardest things to do against Alo is like match them for work rate. And Dunfermline seems to have done that from from all the comment I've read. The, the
2: thing, the, the thing you're saying about about Murray, does, does it point to perhaps kind of coaching in terms of surely something? Truly, I mean, either it's it's just a kind of very extended run of of essentially luck, or have they spent a lot of time working on these set pieces and, and therefore kind of found a way to get the best out of him because he's a big physical kind of imposing guy. Um, and is it something about the quality of Thomas's deliveries or or, or what is it that's causing Murray to score? Quite so many goals. Um, it 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 kind of points to something being done well. Usually when when these types of things happen, mm. and and yeah, they just they've got a very well put together squad. And um, they're, they're even you know getting a tune out of Stephen Whittaker whenever I see whenever I see him play. He's he's um, he's a good footballer. so probably shouldn't be surprised that he's still kind of able to to do the business um, and in the middle of the park as well when he, when he's called upon and. Yeah, they are starting to look like the real deal. But the one thing that always sticks in my mind is um, is, is what Sean McGuigan always says about them, that they, they seem to go on a, a winning streak for seven weeks and then, then can't buy a win. And it's kind of like up and down. And so I'm wondering if at some point they're going to lose a game and then we'll not hear from them again for months.
1: It's, I think it's quite interesting like you're saying talking to the squad there's a every time I look at the film of the squad it feels like a collection of guys that you've always looked at and gone do you know if somebody could get a tune out of them mm-hmm. then they would be really good in amongst a bunch of guys who are like well that's he's at a minimum of 6 out of 10 every week like it just seems a, a really nice like you're saying in terms of balancing the squad like guys like Dow like Thomas like McManus at this level as well the guys who you've gone do you know what if we do the right things we'll get a really good performance out of them and then mixed, and then going alongside with like guys like say like Whittaker, um and guys like Watson as well. Who are just they're just steady, they're good level, they're good performers. And then if they're steady, then it allows everyone else to go and work around them as well. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually kind of echoing that second team thing just now as well because I'm actually really committed to them. Film and doing really well. I really desperately <laughs> hope they do. But uh, Kev, if uh, Kevin O'Hara can score a goal while starting a game this year, this year, I think that'll be quite a, a remarkable thing to see.
2: Just on our both, I guess, uh, like it's maybe a wee bit worrying for them in the sense that they're constantly seem to be playing okay, but not getting anything. And um, it sounded like that was the case case again from from what I gathered from this game as well. And you can look at I guess it's always you can look at that both ways, is right? Or oh, well, surely their luck's going to change at some point. Or what if it's this is their good spell performance wise, but they're just going to get worse. Um, I think the one thing would be I think they started the last season not too dissimilarly. Like they they took them a wee while to get going in the championship last season, if I remember correctly. So perhaps it's there's still stuff to come from them because it did, it does sound like they've they've been doing fairly well, but it's just they have just not. You know I feel the players are a year older, and you do start to wonder, are are they going to kind of get get dragged back
1: down? Is there, actually, is there enough there to go and? do something else essentially yeah okay right we will move on to Celtic which um, that's um, that's uh, it's quite funny
2: <laughs> yeah yeah stuff it's, happened as, as bad as they've been it's probably not one, one I saw coming given how Ross County played last week at Rugby Park against 10 men for the entirety of the game managed to still mainly for all but about 20 minutes of the game look second best and so I thought regardless of you know going to Celtic and, and playing against 10 men again, plus the, the ghost of Scott Brown, um, you still expect Celtic to have more than enough for them. But I think the most damning thing is that it was probably a, a deserved to 0 It wasn't like really some sort of smash and grab. The second half of the game, Celtic barely laid a glove on them in terms of actually creating any sort of chance. And that's got to be really worrying. It's not the first time we've said that. The, the game against... Rangers, they, they didn't have a shot on target. I don't think the whole game. Most of those European games have just been kind of picked off at will. Um, p- plenty of these other games, will they've dropped points this season, they've they've not kind of been caught out by a sucker punch. They've deservedly not won the games, and I saw that again. The, there's still a lot of credit has to be given to County for the bravery of their performance. I think in order to get points in these big games against the likes of Rangers and Celtic, um, and you saw with Scotland and Serbia, um, indeed it's the same. Yes, you have to be defensively solid, but when you get the ball, you have to not waste it. You have to keep the possession, and it's even as much about keeping the pressure off yourself. When Ross County won the ball back, it went up to Stuart. Stuart held it up, it went back to the midfield, and the midfield played two or three passes, opened up the play. It wasn't, up until the you know the last few minutes where it's is understandable. It wasn't get the ball and lash it seventy yards into space and then basically invite yet another attack. It was get yourself out the park, you know, if you can create an opening brilliant, but if not, you're taking you're giving your defence a breather. Because that defence is not good enough to hold out a swarm of relentless attacks. It's not like they week five now at Dingwall and a game where they probably didn't necessarily play awfully. They just Every time Celtic went up the partly scored because the defense isn't very good, but they were able to protect them in this game. And and I do now wonder. Um, I was also talking and playing Kelly last week about they seem to have a proliferation of like these kind of neat and tidy defensive minded or or at least not attacking midfielders. And I wonder if there almost was an eye on this game with the fact of let's get all these guys in because as it turned out, I think I think Kettlewell got it
1: spot on. It, was, I think it felt more like some of the Ross County performances earlier in the season and that they've, they seem to have done all that I've sort of spoken before about how they seem to continually be doing different things um, tactically and, and positionally. But as soon as the game started, it, it was much closer to how they were earlier in the season where if you just let Ross Stewart do his thing, Like go and let him be a lone striker because that's how you get the absolute best out of him. You have other guys that can play that role, but Ross Stewart is better at it than all of the rest of them. And the way that he plays allows everyone else to be better as well. There's a thing in the NFL with Russell Wilson, the the, the Seahawks, let let Russ cook. Let let him do his own thing. So I'm starting a campaign for let Ross cook and just let Ross Stewart do his thing. Just let him be that lone centre forward because he makes, he allows the rest of the midfielders like Peyton and Kelly and Vigers and Lakin to get around them. And then you can play from there. And that allows you to take you up the park, which then allows your wing backs to get up the park. And there's a couple of times you saw Keith Watson hearing forward in a way that I haven't seen him done in essentially since he kept started at United. And while like Ross Stewart got a lot of praise and absolutely justifiably got a lot of praise in the game because he went and took on a bunch of international standard centre halves and fucking battered them. Um I thought particularly uh, Peyton and Kelly um in the Ross County midfielder were both absolutely superb as well. Harry Payton. I know Craig Telford in the past from his time at Stenhouse we were absolutely raved about and thought he was very good and I've always quite liked him but he has this just ability to be in the right place at the right time which is one of those things which I'm never sure whether it's coached or whether it's natural or whether it's just he's really lucky like this just happens to be where he naturally stands on the park but so much so many times during the game I thought Peyton was just absolutely perfect in terms of he was willing to take the ball under pressure he was willing to take a foul he was willing to give a foul he was capable of finding a, a pass even just with, with like a weird body shape just hooking it around it and still finding a county player um but i thought i thought like peyton in particular was, was was very very good and that that was he was able to do that because ross stewart was able to do what he can do and it felt like um it felt like kettlewell almost going well it's a free hit it's a cup competition doesn't matter let's go and play like this and this was the Ross County that it was at the start of the season that I really liked and this is the Ross County that I want to see more of because it allows you to get the most out of the players that you have uh, and it means I don't need to look at Billy McKay's face. I think that the other thing
3: is that that in some of the games domestically anyway in recent weeks um, everyone's been waiting for the siege like when when Aberdeen were ahead against Celtic a few weeks ago, they were, they was, they were waiting for the siege. Even when Hibs were two 0 up, they were waiting for the siege to come. And because they waited for the siege to come, inevitably it did. Ross County didn't do that. They were like they got their goal and they looked very confident. They stuck to the game plan. From the, I mean, they they played pretty much exactly the same way with seven minutes to go as they did with the whole of the, the second half to play. They, they 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 bedded in slightly and they kind of played all along there about eight yards out rather than twelve yards out, but they didn't look like they, they all, I mean and, and partly it, it's because Celtic were just weren't at the races at all and there was evidence from the 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 rest of the game that there wasn't a siege coming but it it was it was weird to watch it, like you're you're expecting like even at 1-0 down even with this with this Celtic team you're you're expecting you know they're going to they're going to to them, and they did have a few chances, and they did have half chances in and around the box. But there was nothing sustained. There was no like the ball keeps coming out. And normally, what happens is you get the ball clear. Like you know, like you said, with Stewart being able to bring other players in, so that you weren't just getting wave upon wave upon wave. But there wasn't anything coming from from Celtic either. And and I saw one of the comments. I'll you know, have to forgive me who it was uh, on on Twitter, but basically saying that if Kettlewell could have picked a Celtic team and a line a, a, and a system to play against. Then this is exactly what you want, and that, it's a weird thing to say because you know, given the relative strengths of the squad, but it, it was a weird system and it was a weird lineup and it was a weird way to play against a Ross County team that I've got, I've had huge holes in how they've been playing in recent weeks.
2: Well, but you look at that midfield three for Celtic, and you've got Scott Brown in the middle of the park, but then you've got Rogic and Christie alongside him, and it's like, well they're not going to do any running. they both want to play really high up the park and you can maybe get away with that with Callum McGregor who's all action. If you are playing Scott Brown in that midfield, you need to have someone else alongside him who's also able to kind of do the defensive thing because what you saw and what had Ross County um, been able to pick those passings in midfield, it's partly because their midfielders aren't being picked up. They're not being marked in the way that, you know, if you had Brown and McGregor, or if you had Brown and Cham, if you had Cham and McGregor, at least two guys who are sitting a bit deeper, it gives Christie and Rogic the freedom, or, or either or, the freedom to go forward. Instead, you're left with two players who just want to attack, both kind of having a half doubt in their head as to whether they have to be, be further back in the park. It's kind of it comes back to that Gerard Lampard thing from, from England for many, many years. If, if they just kept Owen Hargreaves alongside one of them, they'd have probably been better off. You need a guy who's not as good, but who can graft away and, and they, they haven't done it. It's like it's like a really naive thing to do tactically in a game like that. And it just it just was kind of very much exposed. You saw in the second half the amount of times the Celtic defenders had the ball and Scott Brown was their only outball and they were almost treating Scott Brown as a playmaker. It was almost like a um you know the pitchy thing, you know, whenever whenever you've got the ball, give it to Scott Brown. Um and it was that's not Brown's fault and Brown is as much as he's kind of off the pace and, and all all the things you want to say about him, he knows what the team needs to do. So he's the one coming back to the defense, getting the ball, trying to start an attack, trying to make things happen. His brain, his brain, not as fast, as he, or his legs, not as fast as his brain, and all that stuff that you can say. But where's the rest of them? Where are the other players who are supposed to be the folk that are actually making things happen in the team? Well, you've not got that balance in midfield, right? It's not going to work, especially when both your wing backs are also just weird footballers, both of them. You've got... Abdel Hamid who's a centre-half, really. He's been described as a centre-half, trying to play wing-back. He gets up and down the line absolutely great, but doesn't do a lot when he gets there. And then out. he's just a very strange player because I still don't know if he's any good at all. He does, he does like... He, he plays football in parts. He, like, he does wee things. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're really good technically. Yeah, you've got that. And then all of a sudden... Like for the second goal, he completely falls asleep, like us um, Donaldson, I think it is when the header at the front post. And even when he sees that he's kind of fallen asleep, rather than trying to be brave and challenge with his head, he's trying to kick the ball. The only thing you're gonna do trying to kick the ball there is well, there's two outcomes. You miss it, which is what happened. Or you kick called Donaldson in the head and give away a second penalty, like I don't know what the hell he's playing at. And I was kind of, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but he's played 10 games for Celtic and they've won two of them. At what point do you point fingers at the one variable? That, well, there's two variables that have mainly changed, but um, Bain wasn't in goals yesterday. Barca and Bain seem to be completely... it makes no difference. But since they brought him in, the form has taken a major downturn. I'm not laying the blame at him, but at some point you have to go, well... Maybe it would be better with someone who can defend playing fullback. <laughs> um I mean it's one of many problems with the Celtic team is contributes nothing, so when he doesn't score, why is he there? And Edward clearly doesn't give a fuck at this point. So there needs to be there needs to be a change and it has to come at the top, it has to be a managerial change because Lennon's just incapable of getting a tune out of what's there. I
3: think you and and just th- saw that. I think that's it. I think there are a number of problems. There's quite a long list of problems with Celtic. Depending on where you want to, your ambitions lie, they're bigger or smaller, but there are a number of problems. The easiest one to fix is the manager. Um, You know, there's some, there's been plenty out in force this week suggesting it's not his fault, but if you change manager, results change. Uh, Maybe it's just a reaction that's needed, but He's got you, you. You can't. You don't fire a manager when he has a bad game. You fire them when you lose faith that they are going to take you forward. Now, even if Lennon turns it around and they win the league this year, I, nobody has faith that there there is not another hiccup coming. None of the Celtic fans, anyway, have a, a... So, yeah, he's not the only problem, but he but he has the easiest fix. A very cruel twist of fate would be. Um, the Celtic are playing St Johnston on Sunday. At the time of this being recorded, he is still currently Celtic manager. Um, on Sunday, it will be 20 years to the day since he signed for Celtic as a player.
1: <laughs> that's, oh. a great, that's a uh, great. a great bit of narrative as well. I think I think a wee
2: microcosm of the whole the whole period for Celtic was Shane Duffy coming on as a sub when you're chasing a game with 15 minutes to go, presumably because he's big in the air, strong in the air. He then gets booked within about 60 seconds of being on the park <laughs> yeah. and then you can see the goal from a corner. It sums up the whole thing. Like, it wasn't necessarily Duffy's fault. I think it was Brown that lost Giacowita for the goal. But it, it kind of shows that like they were all over the place defending that set piece. Like, nobody was doing their job properly, including the goalkeeper.
3: Five million pounds. It's. It, I mean, d- beyond this game, the whole... Thing. Celtic at the moment are weird. Like the manner of the defeat, the manner of being, the, the play recently, the signings, the, the the reaction from the manager to some of the setbacks recently. Like the reaction of the fans yesterday, which you know, like I understand being angry at 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 your team not being good, and I think it's weird. A lot of tabloid pundits who've got this weird relationship with football, where fans are to be listened to and not listened to, but for all of that to result in a statement going out sort of saying careful now it's like if if Lennon gets fired this week and it does seem or, or steps down this week and it does seem that that's the way this is going this isn't awful, like for all his friends in the press and for all the people that are stuck, this is the worst possible way to do it, this telegraphed firing of, oh, we had a sit down, we had a, dis- a civilised discussion about what's going on, oh, we had a, we're going to have another one this week, we're going to, no, there wasn't raised voices, uh, um, no, we don't want to, we don't want to appease a baying mob, so we'll put out a statement a couple of hours just saying, you know, can't think, like just, there, there, there is no action. At any stage, from from both the top of the boardroom to on the pitch, it's so
1: weird. And even like the tone of a lot of Celtic social stuff still feels very odd to me. Like it feels like they've been doing the same. They're just been going through the motions in terms of all the stuff they did before. But previously they won everything. Now they're eleven points behind. They're out of two trophies already this season. And again. Do we, do we have any faith in them turning up at the Scottish Cup final to actually beat Hearts? No, none whatsoever at this point in time. But they're still ploughing on. with like, The tone of everything feels very, very odd. And it just feels like, I don't know, if it, it feels a, bit, a little bit like people haven't quite grasped what the reality of what's going on is. Um, and that's that, that, that seems to sort of permeate through everything they're doing just now. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, we will move on to the next game, which is Falkirk. Nil Rangers four. Um and do you mean the four scoring at six minutes in this game kind of ended it as as, as, <laughs> it, as being anything particularly interesting straight off the bat. It's a, lo-
2: a lovely finish, but Mark Donnan is just like it's it's calamity stuff. It's like
1: all Mark Donnan. It's, <laughs> <just laughs> it's just the same Mark Donnan that Mark Donnan has always been. It's like yeah. it, it, Mark Donnan was exactly who he thought he was again. You imagine Miller and
2: McCracken before the game like and they, and they say, right right, boys, this is a hard game today. All we have to do is keep it tight, first 10 minutes, no stupid mistakes, if they're going to score, make them earn it and then Conor goes and launches a big punt up the park <laughs> in six minutes and, and he just basically falls over underneath the ball and fair enough, probably in League One, probably even in against most Premiership teams, that ball comes in and... You don't get a goal, but um, the quality of the finish from the, the quality of the finishing from from Rangers in general, like three of the four goals, because Taverniers is a, a beautiful uh, technique as well. And obviously the free kick from Barisic, um, but it's just like and then yeah, as you say, the game. I, I got to be honest, I put it over after after the second goal went in because I'm like, there's nothing to be to be gained from this. I'll just see, I'll just see like, the the game back on like 1.5 speed later on rather than watching it live now because. You have, yeah, there's just nothing left in it as kind of a value for the neutral at that point. Rangers are a good team to watch, and that's fine, but they're playing against a League One team, of course, they're going to play them off the park.
1: The only thing I had really to add on it was kind of, I found it quite interesting that Calvin Bassi went in at centre-half, who, I mean, Rangers are, Rangers are kind of, inter- I find Rangers back, or certainly their central defensive options quite interesting, because they are all very distinctly different players for different uses, and while has predominantly played at full-back for Rangers so far, as far as I can tell, anyway, um, him in there looks like, again, like just a completely different option at centre-half, and I don't know whether it was a case of, it's Falkirk. Like we'll, we'll 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 find out how this goes, um, or whether it was a very genuine. Like we think he has a future playing at centre half for us, and he is again a very very different option to Golden, a different option to Hollander, a different option to Kott, to Katic as well. And yeah, um, I thought he had a, a very sort of sensible game, and he capped off his scoring as well. So every time I see him, he looks like a, a great fun player to watch uh, more than anything else. Um, so had- yeah.
2: I did just wonder if it was a case of like we need to give him some minutes, but the obvious thing to do if you wanted to give him minutes would be able to just do him at left back. So it did, as you say, feel more like, like let's give the guy, like, let's see whether he can do this because it's probably the perfect opportunity to do that. They'll be hoping to have another opportunity to do that in a in a Europa League game if they can if we can seal it kind of in midweek. They're they're just a, they're just a really really good team and a really well coached team. Whether that's Gerard, whether that's Beal, whoever that is. They are everything that Celtic were three or four years ago under Rodgers, where every game you go into, you expect them to win. And that's no matter who they're playing. You're looking at these European games. I saw they were playing Benfica on Thursday night, and you expect them to beat Benfica. It's they <laughs> They're almost like disappointed when, when they... Well, I mean, you should be because you've chucked away two goal leads twice, but... They've got no right to be going into a game like that expecting to win, but I think they were and, and they should have done. And and I think it's testament to like how good a team they are. And, and there is a nagging thought in the back of my mind of like, is it all going to collapse like it has in the previous two years? But predominantly, I think, unlike the previous two years where I think they were sometimes lucky in getting some of the results they got, despite, you know, they, they were winning games domestically. Like, for example, Borna Barisic winning them the game against St Mirren last season. We are like, mm, did you really deserve that? But every single game in the league this season so far they've deserved to win um, beyond the two that they, they didn't. Um,
3: and I think that the, the, one, one of the question marks has always been the, the depth of the squad and while there are all, were always bodies, like the guys that were coming in were not performing, like were, for whatever reason just weren't a, a great fit. Now, it was still a really strong... Uh, Eleven Rangers put, put out, and there were you know six or seven would have started regularly. But they could afford to change the team. They could afford to leave out you know Kent Kamara. Jack was injured, and um, they they could afford to to switch around again. I mean, two things I'm I'm surprised to see people having in 2020 is fun and a Greg Stewart, and um, he even got a run out and and looked like Greg Stewart of old, like he was having a bit of a laugh in it. So I think that there is real depth in that squad. And when players are dropping out or when they're having to refresh them, it doesn't look like they're dropping an awful lot of momentum.
1: And no, I mean, that, that was the third and fourth... St- Third and fourth strength strikers that they had playing yesterday. Again, it's Falkirk in League One. Fine, okay, but to to not even have uh, Marella or Roof even involved in the slightest. It's it's different to how it was last year, and they they feel that like they can bring in Defoe and Itten, whereas Defoe was the only other option last year. um now that's just for getting minutes into guys who need minutes because the the at that they're picking every week is very good. And, and,
3: they, and they they scored four and could comfortably have scored. I mean, they oh, yeah. had a couple of chances. that the um, there was a free header from a corner that should should have done better with, and Connor Salmon chased down a, a a back pass that he could have done a bit better with. But largely, had Rangers needed to score three or four more, they would have scored three or four more. And
2: terrifying that they brought on A player born in 2004 That's terrifying (laughs) A player who was a baby When uh, Ricardo saved that penalty From um, Was that Jermaine Defoe? No, no, Darius Vassell Wasn't it? Jermaine Defoe missed a penalty At another
1: tournament, didn't he? I think that's right. I think that's right. That was that's. If you're Jermaine, Duf- if you Defoe, Duf- that must be a grim look. Like yeah. he like- must have
2: made his debut in like the Jermaine Defoe potentially made his debut in the nineties. I'm not sure. Like Jermaine Defoe is an old man at this point, and yeah, that that. But Defoe was like playing for England when uh, when he was born and that's uh,
1: moving, I, it, moving wow. very swiftly on, very swiftly on from that miserable chat, uh, we will go to Easter Road where Hibernian once again beat Dundee because everyone fucking beats Dundee at the moment, um, so it, it looked like a fairly perfunctory performance from Hibernian Hab- from um, there wasn't a huge amount to write home on the basis that Hibernian weren't particularly good but at no point looked at any Real threat from Dundee, uh, which is a, I think a much more worrying thing for Dundee. Um,
2: it's another defeat for them. The, the, the thing that struck struck me was the I mean it's against a Championship team again, but the the work from Nisbet to set up the goal. It's like the thing you really want to see from your centre half, which is he gets the ball back to go in midfield, and he's got defenders kicking at his heels, and he manages to kind of just turn and start a move. It, you know, it's very easy for a defender and. A forward, sorry, and you'd want them to do it if you're one nil up with five minutes to go, but not when it's nil nil when you're chasing the game. He gets a kick in the back of the leg but rather than just, you know, taking the fill, which he could easily have done, he's got the determination to turn the player the strength to get round and then he, he sets Murphy away down down the down the left. And it's a really nice finish um from Jamie Murphy. Um and, and you see it really nice hips put on their Twitter account a kind of sideline cam type shot which perfectly shows all of that. Um, and which is the only highlights I've seen of the game so um, I'm, I'm glad they did um, and, and it's, it's really lovely work from that I did see a few grumbles from Hibs fans about them maybe not being the most exciting in recent weeks and I think it's probably a fair a fair point to make aside from the fact that they were 2-0 up against Celtic literally a week ago which oh, okay it's this Celtic team and so on but they Haven't you know been swashbuckling in any way under Ross? But I don't think he'd expect that from a Jack Ross team. You expect competency, um, and 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 lots of it, and and we've seen that. But ultimately, they're in yet another quarter final in the cup. Hibs very rarely don't get to quarter finals of cups now, and that's I mean, that can't be a bad thing. It can't be a bad thing for your bank account as a club either.
3: I think on that, it it was a result that was. It was like there were reasons to be to grumble about the performance, and Dundee were certainly better than they were a couple of weeks ago. Um, there were reasons to grumble about the performance, and Hibs maybe haven't had the fluency in the last three or four weeks that they have had for the rest of the season. So yeah, you can see why there might have been a few grumbles. But twenty four hours later, it is a much much better result than it was at the time. Like, who cares now? You've got a quarter final against Alloa, um, and at least three of the teams that would have caused you problems are out yeah
2: Hibs were one of the few CD teams that actually made it through so <laughs> um, we're, we're that, that in that respect yeah, they're now second favourites for the cup quite comfortably you'd expect um, the, there's not an easy game but if if you wanted to hand pick your tie for the next round it's exactly the one they've got as well and Rangers potentially have been given one of the trickier draws they could get in the sense that they, they probably won't turn up to St Mirren and smash them off the park. They'll probably beat St Mirren. Um, but so in terms of, apart from probably Aberdeen going through and being drawn at home to Rangers, Hibs have been given what they would very much like. If the, if you're drawing the roadmap for how Hibs win the League Cup, more or less most of what's happened has happened, so... Now it's just a case of them having to do the business and win the games that, they've been, that are put in front of them. They haven't always done that in the past, but they have been generally very good at getting through to semi-finals and finals.
1: Magic. Uh, we will head from there to uh, the Tony Macaroni, where Livingston are back, baby, um, who Absolutely, again I, I've, I've not seen any of this game but um, I was looking at some of the, the numbers involved in this and it certainly appears that they absolutely fucking smashed Air United um, as at so the end of the first half Livingston had had 72% of possession, 8 shots to Air United's none, 6 shots on target to Air United's none and 8 corners to Air United's one Um with Jack Fitzwater on a hat trick at that point as well. The only disappointment <laughs> was that he didn't get a hat trick out of it as well. But it certainly, Ayr fans were very, uh, very unhappy with the performance. Levy fans were very pleased with it, and it looked, from looking at the team um, again, as I said, haven't seen it, so I don't know. But it looked, it looked far more like a Livingston team um, with Devlin, Lawson, uh, Mullin, and, and Forrest able to get forward on the wings. Guthrie and Fitzwater, holding and Bartley and, and Sybil looking after them as well and it certainly sounded like Poplatnik was offering an awful lot more in terms of movement and, and tracking and closing down than uh, G Emmanuel Thomas has as well and Emmanuel Thomas might have his place but Livy needed a centre forward to press and they need him to chase, and need him to harry because that, that's how they get the game going that's how they, they, they force teams into doing things that they don't want to do with the ball so if Emmanuel Thomas isn't hounding certain half stone, then that's gonna harm the rest of them. And the test will come when they go back to league action this weekend, but I mean it's certainly with with your manager leaving in midweek, that's a, a, a huge bonus.
2: It's a it's a game I thought was was tricky. I thought they would get through, but i kinda of thought I think we we in our predictor, I think I picked them to win after extra time, Livy. they and they were three nil up in like fifteen minutes and you're like, Okay, this this game is over and Alistair Gemmel, kind of friend friend of the podcast, normally I think does a five things we learned about their United game this weekend and had just sacked it off this week, which I think suggests <laughs> they learned nothing this time around apart from maybe that they are uh, they're a wee bit short of I think the performance that uh, they've they've started the season pretty well. In general they've been quite happy with how they've been going, but they were just way off of what Livingston offered. I, I shouldn't make this statement without checking how he scored the goals but I assume Fitzwater scoring twice suggests that they've also kind of found their mojo at set pieces again and uh, you know maybe, maybe he ran the length for the park and slotted one in but I'm making the assumption that these were two goals from set pieces and yeah they there is a sign more of kind of back as you said going towards what Livingston like to do and I think having someone like Poplatnik who is a Facilitator up front And it's going to Yeah as you say Again I'm just I'm basically repeating What you've said here Graham Someone who's going to Run about And it's also When they get the ball It's going to stick And they're going to be Quite creative Because I think that's The type of player he is It suits them Much better And so yes It's championship opposition But They've been Battering and goals For the and centre Against everyone in this cup And have now Given themselves A good chance Of getting to a semi For what must be the, The first time In a very long time since they won it, presumably? Hey, probably. I'm I'm trying to think back. I mean, this is this is uh, I can remember Livingston being in a few semi-finals in the previous time they were in the premiership, but or the SPL. But beyond that, I can't I don't think they've been in one since they, they, they went down. So there, there's never been a better chance. And I think it's something that can always be living in their fourth season in the premiership now. I don't think you feel like you've established yourself until you start Doing well in cups as well is something Partick Thistle never did when they were up, um, and and a few other teams like Hamilton never do it. They, they they still you have to say they're established, but you expect if you're a Premiership club to start getting to cup semi-finals. In fact, I say that Kelly haven't been at one in nearly ten years at this point, but you you expect these types of things to happen when you're playing at that level, and it would be another kind of kind of flagging the ground I guess for Lowy to say you know what we are a premiership club at this point and normally it would be a chance to get fans along and stuff potentially that won't happen regardless but they do need to be starting to say look take us seriously we're not just going to here for a few years because I think they potentially with everything they've got going on structure wise could very easily become a somewhat established club and doing well in cup competitions is what
3: sets you off from that I mean, I agree with that. I think they should, and I think they've got they've got a far better squad than where they find themselves in the league. Um, they, I'm not quite sure that there are definitely question marks over the recruitment and who was recruited and what positions they were recruited in. But it certainly, and again with the caveat, I haven't seen the result. Uh, I haven't seen the highlights. It looked like they set out to play in a system that everyone knew what they were doing. Which would get the best out of the eleven that they put out, and that's a pretty good start when you've got better players than than uh, you know the most of your opposite than than certainly your opposition from the weekend. But when they're playing an awful lot of teams in the Premier um, in the Premiership, that they've got they've got a better squad, they've got a better eleven than certainly the teams that they're round about. Um, I did think it was quite. It's almost like the the Brian Clough line about don't bring me flowers when I'm dead with Martin Dale saying that we wanted to, them to go out and do it for Gary Holt. <laughs> so like he's been humming and hawing about whether to leave this job and whether he could take them any further and what what happened <laughs> to go out and smash Air four and L. Like Thanks guys. Could you not have just <laughs> saved that one for could you not know, have done that a week ago?
1: So we'll move on to two games to go. So we'll move to First Park, where Tony will open the scoring before Callum Hendry and David Wallispoon sealed a progression for St Johnston with a healthy assist from Ricky Lamy as well. So um, from my perspective, what an absolute like this is an absolute disaster result. Much in the same way as it was a great result for Hibs twenty four hours after the fact, it becomes a very very bad result for Motherwell twenty four hours after the fact. And in a in a game which was very similar to the league game, and there was very little in it. To be honest, um, Motherwell taking the lead um, was a pleasant surprise, um, and then throwing it away was a a complete, uh, completely predictable thing. On top of that, as well, it was Lamy, again. I always feel like a bit like I'm sort of picking on him and giving him a bit of a shoeing, but his his ratio of mistakes that are punished is reaching sort of Zach Jules' level at this point as well. I think he he. he, he the Mistakes he makes are punished brutally because they are bad mistakes. He completely missed and completely under hit a back pass uh, to Chapman, who in his own way was not particularly great on the day. And that he, I think it was you, Craig, that called it that he looked like a fullback playing in goals and that he tries to do stuff with his feet but is unaware that he has hands, which is, as a goalkeeper, <laughs> a bit of a challenge. Um, and again, uh, Chapman looked very much again like a fullback in goals, even saves you were making the fact that he made one was great. The fact that he did another one with his feet, which we immediately conceded from as well, was not great. it was kind of a every Motherwell St Johnston game seems to end two one. Um and it's an interesting sort of matchup in that St Johnston seemed to sort of struggle for goals at the moment whereas Motherwell can I defend. Um so I it was it was a tight game. St Johnston was were well, well deserving of their winners. Um but it's frustrating from us because we had the game won. Uh, St Johnston were no great shakes, we were no great shakes and the, the, the chances that we gave away in order for St Johnston to win the game were appalling.
2: They're, they're a very good run at the moment, St That like, you, know, you kind of worried for them a bit at the start of the season, but I think we always said it looked like Davidson had them coached really well and it was maybe just a case of where the tactics, right, uh, that he was coaching them into and I think he's made a few tweaks and they do look pretty dangerous now and they're, they're, they're by no means an excellent team or anything like that but they're a, they're a good team and they've got good players who are they kind of know what they're supposed to be doing and therefore they're not gonna you know, have too many worries was David Wallace been playing wing back in this game? Yeah O'Halloran was playing wing back O'Halloran was playing wing back so I looked at the team and I was trying to work that out and I thought it's a, it's a throwback to David Wallace's days at Hibs when I saw the team but again you can probably get away with it and He's obviously not a defender and neither is O'Halloran, but you're starting to see now that wingbacks, you saw it with Scotland where O'Donnell and Robertson were like higher up the park than any of the midfield. Wing backs are now essentially just attacking players. You've seen it with Aberdeen, the players that they're picking at wing back, And it's the midfielders who are being asked to do the, the defending and they've got kind of, a lot of midfielders who are willing to graft and willing to kind of play in there. And they're a team whose squad is very well suited to the three at the back. Some some squads are not, but St Johnston, you really do look at that and you look at O'Hatler and kind of maybe thinking of establishing himself as an option in that position as well. I I think they're going to do pretty well this season, St Johnston, now that they've kind of ironed out those those creases and, and you get you shouldn't be surprised because they do still have a good
1: squad of players. It seems really? to get the it seems to be getting the, the best they can at all the defenders there as well. Um and McCart, Gordon and, and Rooney and that was them missing uh, Jason Kerr, who's obviously club captain and very good, and Danny McNamara who's been very good for them at wing back this season as well. Um and as well as Craig Conway who had his face smashed in by us on the Saturday and it still didn't do us any favours. But uh, yeah, um even with a whole collection of big players out for them, we still managed to get the job done for them again and it's It's a system as well which kind of lends itself well to Stevie May and that he never looks like he's going to score a lot of goals but again you know they're going to get a shift out of him so if he's going to run all day and he's going to hassle people and he's going to bother people and he's going to bring people into play then do that. Let him him go and play like that.
3: It's it's a very... since instance have got a very... They're set up very differently and in quite a short space of time. It's a very new St. Johnston, but it's a very new St. Johnston that are getting an awful lot from Stevie May, Liam Craig, Michael Halloran, <laughs> Wotherspoon, like, you know, same as it ever was in, in many ways. In the best way possible, and I mean this is a complete compliment, they are brutal to play against. Like, they are, they are hard if you do not support St. Johnson there is a hard team to watch and i don't mean that like they're not good footballers because they are good and they coming forward they but like defensively they put in such a shift and they close things down and they suffocate teams as well when they get the ball and they go forward they they're they're very good to watch defensively they put in such a shift and um yeah unbeaten i think unbeaten in 90 for for 10 games uh, in 10 games now. just very briefly going back to uh, um, Aaron Chapman. I was watched. I watched um, the Denver Broncos against the <laughs> the New Orleans Saints last night, and the Denver Broncos had four quarterbacks out with COVID, and they had to they had to play I I I don't know who it was. Um, they had to, they had to play like a, a receiver at quarterback, and understandably got smashed. And I was like, I've seen this. This reminds me of someone. I've seen this movie
1: before, yes. Yeah, Mother, Motherwell on a Saturday afternoon. That's the second NFL reference we've had in this podcast. is not even on it. Bad stuff. Sorry, everybody. Um, and we'll round off with the, the final game, which I think I've got eight out of eight in the alphabet, which I'm really pleased with. Him, uh, we'll give you an award for that. As uh, St. Mirren beat uh, Joe Lewis, evidently. Kind yeah. of in the end, St. <laughs> Mirren beat Joe Lewis.
3: Yeah, just as you said, that it was a worst result 24 hours later for Motherwell. It was a worst result for Aberdeen 24 hours later and like they're in a bit of a slump and part of it you can un- not understand but part of it is explained by there being no midfield uh, Conor McLennan playing uh, has actually been one of the better players this season playing a right, full, uh, right wing back um, and Scott Wright would definitely have started if he was fit Watkins would probably have started if he was fit so McGee being the other midfielder so there's like there's so Six big losses. The problem is at the start of the season, from an Aberdeen perspective anyway, the big plus um, when things started to settle down was that the bench looked great. Like you had guys who would get in, who if everyone's playing and if everyone's fit, would would, would get into most teams like McGear, Devlin, McGinn, Greg Lee, like even Matt Kennedy and, and Edmondson when he's someone that looked decent. The problem has been partly, that the midfield have all been injured and COVID-related things for for, for uh, at the same time. And as Craig Fowler pointed out, there is very few clubs that will have as big a drop-off as um, Ferguson and McCrory to, to Campbell, who I think is very good, but is very raw, and Ojo, who is not, and uh, can only pass backwards. Um, but yeah, the 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 hole in midfield was exactly where St Mirren kind of exploited it and their their midfield was very good, um, Dermas coming back get got a, uh, got a free kick uh, that put them ahead they had a couple of chances um, to to extend that lead probably should have um, and they they kind of overran Aberdeen midfield because the they, there just wasn't the bodies. Every time Ojo got the ball, it went backwards. Every time Campbell got the ball, he was closed down, and um, so they, they couldn't get the ball out wide. Um, I already get back into it from uh, with a bit of luck. Now McGinn scores for some unknown reason. You know, even if McGinn's not doing anything, he's now been like this for I don't know twelve years, where he doesn't do very much, but he gets a chance and scores. Um, for for some for, for some inexplicable reason they took him off at half time and it it meant that the only real threat Aberdeen had was from set pieces um, so I think all in pretty blunt from Aberdeen I would hope that when they're playing St Mirren again this weekend and they've got an actual midfield to pick from it would be better but it, it looks um, much worse 24 hours on especially seeing Julius who is 95% of the time a very very good goalkeeper, but probably twice a season does something, and it's usually in a cup game. Like, the it, point, it's, nor- it's yeah. normal
1: against Motherwell
2: as yeah. well. It's, it's
3: normal against Motherwell, yeah.
2: The, the first goal, I thought he, he should have done a bit better with as well. It's a good free kick, but it's not like Barisic's one, which is like just unsavable. I felt mm-hmm. like it was not right against the post, and you would expect normally a goalkeeper of his calibre to save it probably I'm being harsh because I have high expectations. I wouldn't expect like Danny Rogers to save it if it was against us or whatever. But um when you have when you have a goalkeeper that good, you expect him to, to save that? And then you can understand what he was trying to do with the the winning goal, but which is, you know, rather than you know, take the sting out of the shot by palming it down rather than catching it and it maybe slides through your hands. But you just look like an absolute fanny when it doesn't <laughs> work, essentially. And that's what happened. And uh, I love that, the, f- the charade that they all went through of them, like still trying to chase back the claw out of the goal from about five yards behind the line. And then I think it was Lee Irwin, um who was someone then tapping the ball into the net when, um, when it came out. I'm sure it was Erwin. And then BT uh, sorry, Premier Sport deciding to award the goal to Marcus Fraser, who... His sole contribution was apparently being the first one to celebrate it. And um, that was enough <laughs> to get his name on the on the screen originally for being awarded the goal. But I thought it was um you can you can point out the the obvious egregious error from Lewis, but Ojo needs to do a lot more. He just lets McGrath turn inside and and battle the shot with his right foot as well. It just there's just Aberdeen were very poor And you can see I've I've been quite positive About them as a team this season I think they're great to watch when they have that midfield But No no matter how and, and it's weird that it seems to happen to Aberdeen a lot Where their entire midfield just disappears at some point You have to have a plan B You have to have a way to play And that has to maybe as well We we talked about your attacking wing backs You've got someone like Ronald Hernandez Who apparently exists As a footballer sitting on the bench why not play a fullback in the wind-back position? A guy who might be able to defend a bit more, such that it takes a bit of the pressure off the midfield too, and lets them just f- focus on being midfielder rather than running the whole game. And then it's just things like that where you're like, well, if you've not, if you've got that guy, in what is he there for? What's his point? And I think Andrew Considine, pretty much since he played for Scotland, has been been quite poor as well.
3: Um, and I, I don't think he had a great game. I think one of the problems is the only reason that... that the, the, the way that the, the, the back three works well because of Tommy Hoban, who's too, too, kind of flown under the radar as the better, one of the better signings I've made this this season because he does organise in the field. He does make it work. Drop Dash Taylor for this game probably deserved, but I would have thought that Devlin would have come in instead. But instead, Greg Lee he came in and played on the left-hand side, which means... Constant shunted across and and it, it, it's just too many changes, but not the right ones. Um, and like you say, Hernandez apparently is a player and apparently has played at international level at, at quite a high level and apparently cost quite a lot of money and nobody's any sure if he's any good or not because while it makes a lot of sense to play attacking players out wide and you know, like we touched on, if you've got these options... That are more traditional wingers than um, use them. Kennedy's looked patchy as a wing back. One of the reasons that, that McLennan had got a lot of plaudits is because defensively he was a bit better um, and was working harder, and that's one of the things you do need to have. But it does seem like Hernandez was obviously signed by someone as the Logan replacement and he's getting less more you know he's almost like fourth choice for right wing back it, it, it is weird I mean not to not to take um much away from St Mirren I mean they've they've been good and I think the one saving grace of this was that I usually go to the games in Paisley and uh I think I've only seen us win one in five um but they were very good they were very well, well organized. They. Um, they do everything that they have done so far this season, and th- if they had a striker of any, any kind of note, they would have won quite comfortably.
1: And well, that rounds us off eight betfred games in some time. I think we may have just crept under an hour, so I think that's absolutely fine. Um, so thank you very much for your time, Craig. Thanks, Graham. Thank you very much for your time, Tom. Thank you. Uh, the guys will be back with about four hundred patrons during the week at the five dollar or the five pound tier and the two pound one as well. So they Sign up for them at t- uh, patreon.com tennis podcast. Uh, I'm away to put my weight in the bath. Um, have a good night, guys, and we'll speak to you all soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.